Welcome to the Bethel Christian Church Message of the Week. God bless you all. With such an introduction, you feel that you have to really deliver. <laughs> we are going to continue our series on the core values of Bethel Christian Church. The, in the past two weeks, we have covered two values, how we are a church that is Holy Spirit-led. We are also a church that is Bible-based. And today, I will speak about two other values that we hold here, discipleship and being missionally focused. Amen? And I really believe that God is inviting us to increase our level of commitment to him and to the advancement of the kingdom of God. I really do. I really do believe that spiritual formation, what we call a spiritual formation or discipleship, and being missionally focused go together. You cannot separate them. You cannot have a super spiritually person that says, oh, look at me. You even develop this special walk, right? Everybody has to say hi to me. I'm spiritual. But you don't get involved in the life of the church. And at the same time, we can have uh, instances in which people want to be serving, but they are not growing spiritually. For this reason, I believe that healthy discipleship takes place in between two extremes. Number one, legalism. And number two, nominalism. Legalism, on the one hand, is basically a commitment to a certain style of life inside the church is a commitment to pretense and appearance inside the church. In a legalistic practice, I, it becomes a habit to go to church and to do the stuff that we do at church. It becomes a habit. Nominalism, on the other hand, is just mere attendance to church with no commitment whatsoever. And it is important to define what discipleship um, is in the 21st century, and that's one of my objectives, to define the concept of discipleship in the 21st century, as specifically within our community of faith, and to invite you to become a disciple of Jesus Christ if you are not one. My second objective is to define what being missional means in our context and to invite you to become missionally focused within this community of faith and in your day-to-day -day life in two different contexts. And since I mentioned legalism and nominalism, this is not just about a temporary modification of behavior when I'm in a, in a specific setting. This has to do with the inner transformation of my character and how I live it out in my day-to-day -day life. And for this purpose, we are going to read in Ephesians. If you can stand and read with me, we're going to open our Bibles in Ephesians chapter 4. And we're going to start with verse 1 and forward. 
Therefore I, that's Paul speaking or writing, the prisoner of the Lord implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. With all humility and gentleness, with patience showing tolerance for one another in love. Being diligent to preserve the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as also you were called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led captive a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. Now, this expression, he ascended, what doesn't mean except that he also has descended into the lower parts of the earth. He who descended is himself also he who ascended far above all the heavens, so that he might fill all things. And he gave some as apostles, and some as prophets, some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men by craftiness in deceitful scheming. Let's close our eyes and bow our heads and pray. Father, I, I pray that you would speak to our hearts today, Lord. I pray that if we are weary, feeling down, Lord, inadequate, or simply broken, that you would speak to our hearts life. That you would give us, Lord, a new passion a new joy to serve you with all of our hearts, to walk with you, to follow you, to be your disciples and to be missionally focused, to advance your kingdom and to proclaim your greatness, Jesus, your goodness, how good you are. Lord, I pray it in the name of Jesus. And the church of God said, Amen. you may be seated. In this passage... Paul places a special emphasis on three things, community, maturity, and service. For my purpose today, I will be focusing on verses 11 and 12. And in those verses, I identify three key elements for the purpose of discipleship or spiritual formation and for becoming missionally focused. And as I said before, these go together. They go together. According to Paul, God places leaders in a community of faith to equip believers. And this is in alignment with the great commission that Jesus gave us. Go and make disciples. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. And teach them to follow my teachings. 
that in, in itself implies the process of a spiritual formation, of character building, of the inner transformation of our lives. Ephesians 4, verses 11 and 12, paint a beautiful picture of God's mercy and faithfulness. Because when he says that he has placed a team of leaders inside of a community of faith to equip believers, he is basically writing to us and telling us that God has a plan to put together the broken pieces of our lives. God has a plan to restore the fallen nature of our lives. He has a plan to put us back together to heal us, to reconstruct us. Here at Bethel Christian Church, we define discipleship as a lifelong process where we are continually transformed into the image of Christ. It is an ongoing process. In which the inner person is being transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. The word equipping, as it is used in this passage of Scripture, has a range of meanings in the New Testament and throughout Scripture. Okay? It could mean to complete something that is incomplete. It could mean to reset broken bones or restore broken bones. And it could mean to train something or someone for a specific purpose. And I really want you to remember that. To complete something that is incomplete, that is missing. To reset or restore broken bones, something that is broken. And to train for a specific purpose. So in this process of discipleship, in this corporate responsibility that we have as a church and as leaders, God is using us to put lives together, to restore lives, to complete something that is incomplete, that is missing in the human heart, in the inner reality of our human existence. Where I believe we cried the biggest amount of tears. Where we experienced the biggest amount of pain and loneliness and brokenness and misery. I really believe that it is important and key for us to understand what regeneration really means. As I mentioned before in the introduction, nominalistic practices, it is just an attendance to church. I go to service. I receive Jesus as my Savior, which is great. It's part of the whole process. My sins are forgiven. I get a ticket for eternity, and I'm done. That's it. So basically, we have regeneration. We have justification, we have sanctification all in one. What I believe about regeneration, this is what I believe, you might disagree with me. My wife disagrees with me quite often. 
so I won't feel bad. But what I believe happens in regeneration, when you say, Jesus, come into my heart, this is what happens. The divine presence of God penetrates the human heart, takes dwelling in your heart, illuminates your darkness, and he starts interacting with you and transforming the human heart. When all I can see is the ashes we were singing, he sees the beauty. A spiritual formation rests on the solid foundation of the faithfulness of God. We persevere, but God perseveres to the very end. He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. He is not going to give up on us. So that's the foundation of this spiritual journey, the faithfulness of God. The goodness of God, his everlasting patience, bearing with us. Amen? How do we do that here inside of our church? How does that exactly happen? Number one, for those who are new in the church, we offer a four-week course that we call Next Steps. This course is designed to introduce our beliefs core values, mission, and history, and to help you find your place here in Bethel. So we take this corporate responsibility very seriously. We want to help you to identify your gifts, to develop your gifts, and to use them. And I'm going to say that again. We want to help you to identify or discover your giftings, to develop your giftings, and then to use them for the advancement of the kingdom of God. We offer two worship services on Sunday. We want people to have an encounter with Jesus through worship, God's word, and through community. We also offer encounter nights every first Wednesday of each month. We have an encounter night. We are a Pentecostal church, and as, as such, we are committed to creating an atmosphere in which people can encounter Jesus in a corporate setting. And that night is about worship and prayer. Number four, we have life groups. And I've heard so many good stories of what's going on in our life groups. Pastor Chris is teaching a beautiful course on healthy spirituality. We're teaching the same course with my wife in Spanish for those who... Um, First language is Spanish. Our lead pastors, they are teaching a parenting course. And we have so many life groups going on throughout the week. Beautiful. I really encourage you to join one if you haven't done so. For children, we have children's ministry. For youth, we have Echo Youth. And for young adults, we have Ascent. We want to make sure we are sensitive to all the needs of our people. We want to make sure we cover all the bases. So part of our corporate responsibility involves all those ministries that I just mentioned. Now the question might be asked, Pastor John, why is discipleship important? Why do I have to join a life group? Why do I have to go to church? There's many whys 
in fact. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 13, which was the main passage this morning, Paul clarifies the purpose of the five functions for the equipping of believers. Broken, that which is broken. Is, is the broken pieces are being put back together. The incomplete is being completed. But verse 13 reads in the following way. Until we all attain to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man perfect and complete, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every doctrine, by the trickery of men. Nominalistic theologies or prosperity gospel theologies have deceived many to believe that the end of the Christian life is prosperity, fame, and popularity. It's true. And that's why there is a lot of superficiality. I was part of a legalistic church, nominalistic church, in which they taught us, you, you have to prosper. If you have a, a, a good card, money in the bank, and you dress well, you made it, bro. That's it. You're done. Now, that, this is the problem with that, that we are taught to put up a facade in a world of images. But we are crying on the inside. We don't want to face our reality. We don't want to own up the condition of our souls. Spiritual formation is calling us to own up our current conditions. How am I doing today? How am I feeling today? Amen? Verse 13 starts with a conjunction, which is until, which implies that to achieve the goal of maturity, we must go through a process. Paul is certainly emphasizing unity inside the church, but he's very well concerned with spiritual growth and service. So that's the first responsibility I identify for discipleship and becoming missionally focused. Number two. We also have a personal responsibility in the process of a spiritual formation or discipleship. Becoming more like Christ. Speaking like Christ did. Thinking like Christ did. And also being missionally focused as Christ was. To guard believers from the dangers of legalism, Paul writes the following in Galatians 5.16. Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Whose job is that? Whose job is that? That's ours. Walk by the Spirit, and you will not satisfy the desires or the passions of the heart, which involve 
our emotional reactions. How about that? If anybody needs to tame those passions, it's me. Oh, boy. When it comes to gratifying the desires of the flesh. All I can say is I need you, Jesus. I need you to come to my rescue. But it's giving us a responsibility. In Romans 12, 2, Paul writes, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by renewing of your mind. And this is including all of us. Leaders, board members, pastors, members, non-members. Is giving us a responsibility in the process of a spiritual formation. But how do we play our part in this process? In a practical way, how do we do it? Why don't you ask me, Pastor, how do I do it? You really want to know? I believe that on Christmas Eve, Pastor Eric hinted to this. And he invited us to make room in our hearts for Jesus. Folks, this is the thing. This is not a, about finding time to do it. This is about making time to do it. There's a big difference. Pete Escasero, which is the book both Pastor Chris and I are using for the spiritual formation class, in revealing some statistics about discipleship, especially inside healthy congregations, he says the following. It is alarming to see that in a healthy church, only 20% of people are committed to a spiritual formation. A healthy church, only 20% of people are committed to the process of a spiritual formation. And the main issue, the biggest obstacle that is getting in the way is busy schedules. The busyness of life. I am being consumed by my own schedule that I don't have time to be with God. How about that? Pastor Eric was inviting us to make room in our hearts. To make the time to pray, to fast, to worship, to read the word. The older I get, brothers and sisters, friends, those who are watching online, the more I believe that the road or the path that leads to spiritual growth inevitably goes through the personal practice of the spiritual disciplines. You have a responsibility in this process. You have to engage, not only have the knowledge, I have to pray, I know that. I have to read the Bible, we know, we have that basic knowledge, but we fail to engage. We have to engage in the spiritual disciplines, that's what it is about. God is inviting us to increase our level of commitment to him and to the advancement of the kingdom. I really believe that. When writing to Timothy, Paul 
In 1 Timothy chapter 4, 7, and 8, he says, Have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. For physical training is of some value. And for the record, I'm not telling you to stop working out. I'm not telling you to stop eating right. Copy that, Sister Lisa. The Bible says that it is okay, but it's of some value. But godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. It is not just about as I mentioned before, the temporary modification of behavior to accommodate it to a Christian setting. It is about the reshaping, redeveloping of the inner character until we start exhibiting the features of Jesus Christ. I begin to act like him. I begin to talk like him. And more importantly, I become a loving person. Paul says that we can speak in tongues. It's not forbidding us from speaking in tongues. We can prophesy. But if we don't have love, something is wrong. This is not about perfecting my actions 100%, but it is about perfecting my capacity to love people, and to express that love through acts of service. It has to be expressed. Otherwise, it is just an abstraction that we are entertaining somewhere in a special space. It is about expressing the love of Christ that is working in us and through us. So if we fulfill the corporate responsibility as a church to equip you and you fulfill your personal responsibility to engage in the spiritual disciplines. This is what I see happening and it is a beautiful picture that Paul is painting. God has a plan to restore our broken hearts. The reason why I believe in spiritual formation and I am very passionate about it it's because when I came to Christ, I was a mess. I was a disaster. I was broken. I, I was a wreck. <laughs> but leaders in the church believed in me. They didn't give up on me. I would go back to do the same thing over and over again, and they would come back to me. They didn't give up on me. The divine presence enters into your life, and you start a journey of a spiritual growth, and he doesn't give up on you. He begins a work, and he's committed to complete it. And that's the foundation of this spiritual growth journey. So what I see happening, 
based on the different meanings of the word equipping the saints inside the church, is that God takes the broken pieces. He puts them together. He completes the incomplete. And he trains us to be useful in his kingdom of glory. That's what happens in discipleship. That's what he wants to do in you and in me. To restore our broken lives. To make us useful for the advancement of the kingdom. Number three. We also identify in that passage a missional responsibility. To equip believers for the works of service. You have giftings, you have ability, you have talents, and God wants you to use them inside of our community of faith. The Apostle Peter writes the following in 1 Peter chapter 4.10. As each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. In the Great Commission, Jesus is, is telling us to go out there. He's sending us on a mission. And he has given us the, the means to accomplish our mission. Folks, God is in the business of restoring broken lives. We have so many ministries here in which you can use your giftings and your talents. We have Children's Church operating at this very moment down the stairs. We need workers for Children's Church. We have ushers. We need ushers. We need, we need new leaders for life groups. Those who speak Spanish and English, we need more interpreters for the Spanish ministry. We can use your talents. God can use your talents. So an indication that I am growing spiritually is that I am going to have a desire to serve the Lord. I'm not going to be indifferent to the things of God. I'm going to get up in the morning and I'm going to feel like serving the Lord. I'm going to feel like doing something. I'm going to start having ideas for Bethel to improve it, to advance it. You name it. But a desire to serve is an indication that I am growing spiritually. Amen? In conclusion, I want to say that a church that is spirit-led and Bible-based has healthy discipleship programs and is missionally focused. In this context, two marks Distinguish healthy discipleship, a spiritual growth, and a desire to serve the Lord. God is inviting us to increase our level of commitment to him and to the advancement of the kingdom. Before I make the altar call, I want to read a statement made by Dallas Willard. 
unless we believe the kingdom of God is real and knowable and we interact with it in our actual existence, we are left to struggle on our own, living merely human lives. Just a mere human life, devoid of the power and the presence. The kingdom of God is available. Repent, said Jesus, because the kingdom has come. It is available. I have to interact with it. If I believe it is real, I have to interact with it. I better do. I would like to invite the altar team to come up. And I would like to make three altar calls. If you have been serving the Lord or you have served the Lord in the past, and I understand things happen. Something happened and you stop doing it. I invite you to come up here and, and, and make a commitment to the Lord to start serving Him again. The other altar call that I have is that if you haven't made a commitment ever to serve the Lord, why don't you start today? Why don't you bring your life to Him and tell Him, Lord, I want to serve you. I might not have much to offer, but I know that in your hands I can be useful. And if you just feel that your life is broken, that you are incomplete, and maybe you feel inadequate, why don't you bring your broken heart to the only one that can make something beautiful out of it? To the only one that can restore it? The one that can make something beautiful out of the ashes? Rekindle the fire of God within you. So having said that, I leave it up to you. The altars are open. I'm going to say a quick prayer and then feel free to come up as the Lord leads you. Father, we thank you for the hope that we find in the gospel. Your word is filled with promises. The promise of new life. But at the same time, Lord, the promise that you are working in our hearts and you have a plan to restore our falling nature. To complete us, Lord. To help us become more like Christ in this journey of faith. Where we fail many times. We fall short, Lord, from our tasks. Lord, help us. I pray that you will give us a new joy today. A new vitality. To serve you. To follow you. To live for you. To live one kind of life. And to live it for you, Lord. In the name of Jesus, Lord, give us new strength. Give us new ideas, new comfort, new joy. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Amen. And the altars are going to remain open for those who... Thanks for tuning in to the Bethel Christian Church Message of the Week. Head to BethelCC.org to stay up to date with everything that's going on at Bethel Christian Church.